to see you here on this lovely Sunday morning. It has been such a great weekend, has it not? You have the windows open, and it's just been glorious. We got to go take prom pictures as well as the house did yesterday, and it was so perfect and so different than a couple weeks ago when we took him with my nephew and we're like jumping over snowbanks. So yesterday was way better. I actually got hot, which was a nice feeling. Um, so I really hope you got out and got to enjoy it, and we're hoping for much more of the same today. Uh, so as, as Becca said, um, we're starting, we are in the midst of our last, <sighs> sorry, <laughs> Sunday morning, <laughs> you know, guys, we're talking about doing life together, so here we are, <laughs> sorry, a little harder than I expected, it's funny the things that are hitting in this time. But our last sermon series is around our mission statement, following Jesus, sharing life, we change the world. It was in Paul's final days right before the church really exploded, and, and that's what we're diving into at this time. We're at the end of the book of Acts, right? Paul, Paul has done the things, and he's, Marcus mentioned this morning, it's so funny, because there's like all these little bits and pieces that like needed to be included in Acts, but they don't really make sense, and that's what we're, we're, we're doing here at the end of our time on our Sunday mornings, and, and something about this, because what happened next was that the church exploded, right? We see that Paul went through these things, and he traveled, but then something miraculous happened to the church at the end of that time, and as I was preparing this, something about that felt prophetic for us. Like, we are at that same place. We are at this place where we're going, okay, Lord, we hear you. We know it's time. It's time for a change, and that in the midst of that, there's going to be this explosion, this scatter. I keep hearing the word scatter. I've heard it, and so not that this is the end of Mission Point, by any means, but something feels prophetic about being in Acts and, and what Paul was going through and where we are. Um, so if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Amy did it. It was great. Um, in a nutshell, Amy shared about how there are times in our faith journey when it may seem like we are the unlikely leader, but because we follow Jesus, we are chosen to lead, as Paul was in Acts 27. I mean, she shared it. It was beautiful. Please go back and listen to it if you missed it. Uh, you know, it's, it's that thing, right? Like, we follow Jesus, so uh, don't be surprised when from the end of the line you're invited to lead. <laughs> you think you're the most unlikely person, and the Lord invites you to lead. It's just what he does. He takes the unlikely people, and in their weakness... He makes them strong. And before you know it, you're standing in front of a room full of people giving a sermon. It just happened. One day you're doing laundry. All of a sudden you're preaching from the front. <laughs> Don't be surprised by that. Yeah, follow Jesus, share life, change the world. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it sounds so easy. It rolls off the tongue. Well, it certainly sounded easy five years ago when we were sitting on Chris and Joe Saxton's deck on a morning meeting when the sun was shining, and we were all like, oh, yes, that's it. And, it, and just to remember that in this time, and it was so exciting, and it's like, that's exactly what we're about. It was simple. It was, it was the movement. It was where the movement began. It's where the vision, it's where it began. It's simple, but it's given us here order and purpose, uptime with the Father, 
in time together. And we so believe that if we do those two things well, missional living would be the outflow. And with Christ, we could change the world. We believe that. We've lived that here, right? We can all be in agreement. We've lived that here. The world is a different place because of Mission Point. Because of Jesus and because of you. Our time together has exploded the proverbial box for most of us on what church was, what it is now. <laughs> church doesn't look the same anymore. We're challenged to live beyond Sunday morning. Nearly five years and so much has happened and so much has changed. I mean, who would have guessed five years ago that this unlikely group of people would be so connected that we now call ourselves family? Right? Like, who would have guessed that? Many of us didn't hardly know each other when this all started, but today you're family. Every Sunday is a family gathering when we come together. It's family. Who would have guessed that? And it's funny how crisis and experiences, like experiences do that for us, right? Um, it just, it binds us together. It binds us together when we do life together. We are bound together. And in the midst of that, we're transformed. Iron sharpens iron. We've heard that a million times, right? Yeah? When we spend time together, when we spend time with other believers in community, our lives are transformed. We were created for togetherness. It was a part of God's master plan that we not be in this alone. Brene Brown puts it this way, connection is why we are here. We are actually hardwired to connect with others. It's what gives us purpose and meaning to our lives. And without it, there is suffering. We need only look at how quickly an individual in solitary confinement goes mentally insane when there's no human contact. It's like less than two months. Like some research, it's like less than two months. If you don't talk to anybody for two months and you're locked away and there's no human contact, you can go mentally insane. Or when we look at babies that are not held, they have failure to thrive, right? They don't have that human contact, that love, that, that being held. There's a, there's a failure to thrive. I think we as people, we just... It's heartbreaking to hear that and think about that, but we, how are we any different when we don't feel loved and held? We have a failure to thrive too. We were created to be connected and in relationship with others. You are hardwired for it, and so am I. I need you, and you need me. Our likeness does not matter, but our humanness does. We are in this human experience together. We all know what it is to feel hot, to feel cold, to feel loss, to feel joy, to feel laughter. No matter what language you speak, a smile is a smile and a tear is a tear. We have humanness in common. And that's no small thing. That is no small thing. We are linked together through our humanness to our Father. 
right? We all have his DNA. I don't care where you're from. You have God's DNA. We have his likeness. In Acts 28, 1 through 16, we see compassion flowing through the human experience. But before we jump into that, I just want to take a moment to recap on what Amy said last week, what she dove into last week, so you know where we're picking up the story. Um, so last week in Acts 27, Paul was being held captive sailing through a horrible storm on this big boat. They're out there on this big boat, and Paul assures her on the boat that not one of them will be lost because an angel appeared to them. Sweet, that's great. Um, and the angel said to him that they had not made it to Rome yet, don't worry, you're all going to make it to shore. So Paul is currently a prisoner on the boat, and he steps to bring calm and peace to the chaos. Talk about being at the end of the line and then being promoted to the front because you know Jesus, right? And so Paul, in his wisdom, he's with all of these people on the boat, this big boat, and uh, nobody's eaten for 14 days. Can you say hangry? Hangry? Yes, I've seen it when I go to the mall with Rick for a few hours. It rears up. We need a Snickers bar real bad. So I can't imagine 14 days on a ship with, sorry, love. Um, I, I can't imagine what it's like on the ship with all these people that have been tossed around on this stormy sea. Hor you know, it's horrible. And then being hungry. When I, you know, it's, it's hard. So that's what things were like for them at this point. And then land was finally discovered. And, um, and as they're sailing towards land, things get a bit exciting for them again, right? Oh, no home free yet. Uh, the, the ship runs aground. And then it starts to, you know, fall apart. And the sh things become a big hot mess. And people on the boat are swimming towards the shore, trying to get off before it sank. I mean, you can just imagine, right? Put yourself there, the complete chaos. You just finally got to have some bread, and now you have to swim to shore. And it is not nice out there. It is not tropical and beautiful, as Amy laid out for us last week. It's cold and miserable. So, hey, super fun. Um, so a wee bit stressful, but as Amy said last week, you know, not fun. These folks had been through the ringer. You would agree, right? Emotionally, probably tired, exhausted. They'd been through the ringer, but just as God promised through the angel, Everyone on the boat made it ashore and alive. Again, we just see God doing what God does. And he promised and he fulfilled his promise because he's faithful. And that takes us where we are today at Acts 21, 1 through 16. Um, and there's a lot here, so stick with me. You will notice today as well, I did not do slides. I am in this new season of rebellion. I may be a 49-year-old teenager, but that's where we're at. I told Rick last night, I'm not doing slides. So, didn't do slides. So I'm going to read it for you. I hope that works for you and that my rebellion is not an obstacle. We can talk about it after service. <laughs> so here we go. After we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness and for they kindled the fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature 
into the fire, but of course, and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune had come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to a chief man of the island named Bubulus, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of, boy, this name, Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island, whose diseases also came, were also cured. They also honored us greatly, and we were about to sail. They put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had witnessed in the island, a ship of Alexandria with twin gods as a figurehead. So in front of the ship, there's these, these two big heads, putting in at Syracuse. And we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived in regime. Some of these words, you'll have to read it later. After And after one day... A south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Poloide, where we found brothers, and we were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome, and the brothers there <laughs> heard about us and came as far as from the Forum of Apollos in three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So good. So good. So the island that they landed on after the shipwreck situation was called Malta. Malta is another name for refuge. Isn't that sweet? I mean, I just love that. That's so perfect that they would land on an island called Refuge. The first thing that's said about the native people found there is that they showed unusual kindness. They had never met these people before, yet that they welcomed them, right? Like they built them warm fires. They met them and met the physical need of warmth. They showed them kindness by welcoming them in. That was their first response, and I love that. I love that that was their first response. Then we have the whole snake event, right? The snake. What do you do with the snake? Paul, being a leader, went over, grabbed some sticks. He's not afraid to roll up his sleeves and do the hard work, right? And so he grabbed them, and, you know, I'd be donezo in that moment. There's a snake attached to my hand. I'm going to be a bit hysterical. Warned you in case it should ever happen. Expect that from me. Do not expect strong leadership in that moment. But Paul stays ever so calm, shakes the bad boy off into the fire. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's just amazing. He's not freaked out at all. There's no screaming. He played it calm. I believe there was a calmness there because Paul knew he was protected. I mean, it would make no sense for God to have saved him from the boat to have him die by a snake. It makes no sense. 
you know, it's following the snake bite that we find out that the natives are not believers, right? That becomes pretty clear. That's it, brother, you're going down, the snake bit you. And so they don't, but they do have a belief in a higher power. Like they do believe that perhaps Paul is undergoing some form of justice, that maybe he's not a good guy and the snake is going to take him out. And when nothing physically happened, they decided then he must be a god. Certainly then you're a god. Now, I don't know what kind of snake this was, but evidently they did, right? Like, we know that they were watching him because they were waiting for him to blow up like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, right? Like, they were, they were waiting for something significant to happen due to this snake, but it didn't. So they were aware that there was something different about this man. And, and I love where this story goes from here because Paul just does what Paul does. Right? As a, as a follower of Jesus, when he found out the chief was ill, he went and prayed for him. And God healed him. I mean, that's just what he had seen Jesus do. Like, you just pray, you pray for people. It's what you do. And, and bam, then the floodgates open. Then all of these people, not only did they see the snake situation, they then see living among him, doing life with him, that, that he prays for people and they're healed. So all of these people then come. I mean, I'm just picturing floods of people, like more than the people that are at the movie theater going to see this Endgame movie, The Avengers, right? Like they are, they are packed, I'm picturing in my head, that this must look like that in this moment. Like they're just bringing everybody that's ever been ill, that's ever been ill to be healed. It does not say that the gospel was preached. It doesn't say that he stood on the corner and preached the gospel. He lived the gospel, right, in those moments. He was living the gospel. And I highly doubt with Paul being Paul that he put up with being called a god for very long before he introduced them to the one true God. Like, I, I think we can just go there naturally. <laughs> it probably came up in conversation that he was not a god, but he followed the god. Um, and the people were so grateful. They served Paul and all his shipmates. And, and obviously, we would consider them people of peace. These were people of peace. They came out to serve them in whatever they needed. They were welcomed and they were served. And they set sail through in a whole bunch of other events. He kept running into brothers. Do you see that? Like I, I think this is right in line with Jean's word this morning. And is that they, he kept running into brothers. He, he left Malta. And he went sailing, but then he found more community. And then he, he found more community. Um, he found more community. And they stayed with the brothers for seven days, and, and they were off to Rome. And he arrived in Rome where he heard of another group of brothers who traveled quite a distance. Have you ever had anybody travel quite a distance for you? I mean, it's one thing when your friends and family show up, but it's another when you have a friend that travels quite a distance to come and see you. Paul is still a prisoner at this time, but he was so encouraged by these people coming, these people coming to gather around him in this time. He was encouraged by it. It gave him courage in these moments. This scripture is, is all about community. It's all about doing life together. It's by being welcomed by those who are like-minded and by those who are not. But Paul impacted the island. One of the commentaries I studied said that on the island, there are still believers today because of what was accomplished. 
These people of peace welcomed Paul, and Paul was Paul and lived among them. And they came to know Jesus through the healings and through the miracles. That right there, folks, that's generations. Generations will reap what we sow. They're going to reap what we sow because of how we love, because of how we live. I mean, at no point in this was Paul ever alone. We hear a lot about Paul, like, yes, he's, he's the star of this, right? Like, Paul did this and Paul did that. But Paul wouldn't have made it very far without his community, without these people that have surrounded him. Where would he have slept? If he, if he got to the shore and there was no fire lit, I mean, we can go there, right? Like, there's human need. Like, he wouldn't have gotten very far. Certainly would have been very discouraged, <laughs> for sure, with thing after thing that happened to him in that time. No matter where he went, he had people. We need people in our corner to cheer us on because we can only get so far by ourselves. I want you to know that my life is changed because of you. I know Jesus like I have never known him before because of time in our community. You have cheered me on as I made my first trip to Ethiopia. Like, I was a housewife in my head, and I was being sent to Ethiopia, and you were all there in complete agreement, and you helped send me not once but twice. You stood with me in my darkest moments and gave me hugs and encouraged me. This is where I got to step out and into who God created me to be without apologizing. This is the last sermon series. It's not a series of goodbye messages. We were really clear we didn't want that to be what this was. But I'll be darned if I'm waiting till heaven to let you all know how you've affected my life. I can't think about doing life together without it having faces. Your faces. You have impacted my life. And when I'm near you, I am so encouraged. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful that I've gotten to share life with you. I am a better me because of you. That is community. Preach on. <laughs> that is family and that is us. That is mission point. As I was finishing this message, I took a few minutes and, and went on Facebook. And I looked at all the pictures. And I, couldn't, I sat there and I, I cried happy tears as I looked back and, and looked at all oh, we've been through. Golden Lake Park, where we started ever so simply, right? And, and all the meetings we had there. And, and then we were at, um, oh gosh, Moundsview Community Center for a while. And, and, and just all of the pictures and all of the people how far we've come and all that God did, all that God did in this time. 
I just, I couldn't help but cry. Like, God, you were so faithful. You were so faithful. And just remembering uh, who I was personally five years ago and who I am today. I am not the same woman. And I will say boldly that I don't think there's a person in this room who is the same person that they were five years ago. Because God transforms us. He comes alive in us and he transforms us. He empowers us and he does that through those that are around us. Not one of you is the same. I've seen it and I've watched. It's so odd to watch and this tension of like watching these people grow, watching these people do things they've never done before and doing them with such a level of excellence. We might be a small group, but nothing here on Sunday morning is done at a level that is not excellent. People have grown in their gifting. We've seen them get stronger. We've seen and heard the word. I mean, right? Like, come on, folks, Shazam. Like, can we just agree that things happen here? We, right? I mean, we may be a small group, but man, we are with high caliber people here. High caliber people who knew how to do this stuff. There's never been a lack of that. That's been mission point. And as I looked at these pictures, I thought about Malta and it being an island of refuge. And I'm going to tell you, mission point has been an island of refuge. It has absolutely been my island of refuge, my safe place where I've been hidden away. And I have felt loved and felt community. I kept trying to land this message. I'm like, Lord, I kept coming back to the ending, and I'm like, give me the ending, Jesus. And I'm sitting there eating my popcorn. I always have to eat popcorn when I write a message. You wouldn't believe what it sounds like until I have my popcorn. So I'm, I'm eating my popcorn by the handfuls. I'm like, because I hear God better with popcorn, apparently. So I'm just like, Lord, I need you to help me land this message. I don't even know, how do I end this? How do I end this? How do I end this? The truth of the matter is there is no ending. There, this isn't the ending. There is no ending to this. There's no ending to this community that's multiplied. We've had people that have come in here and have been shipwrecked among us for a time and they leave quickly. You know, they're here maybe just a few Sundays or a couple months and they've come in broken and tired and weary and they came in and we loved them and we released them to go. And we've had people that have come in that we've released them to their call. Go do what God is calling you to do because that's what it's about. That's been mission point. They've come to this, this safe place called Malta, this refuge, this island that's like none other, right? Let's just, let's just say yes, that Mission Point is like none other. And so it, it feels like a huge leap of faith to put it back into the Father's hands and say, Lord, we've stewarded this the best we can, and now we're coming to you to listen again to see where you want us to go in this next season. Because this has been so great. We have met so many wonderful people, and our lives have been transformed. You've got to go back and look at those pictures. This time has not been wasted. It's been so fruitful. Generations will be changed because of what has happened here. 
Don't think we're some small church that meets in a coffee shop. Generations will be changed because of how we do life together. So there, there, is, no, there is no ending to this story. It's just a new chapter, another island. Because folks, you're not in Rome yet. <laughs> you are not in Rome yet. And there are people who need to experience what we have experienced here. They, they need this. Generations are going to be changed because of you. You all know how to follow Jesus. And you share life really, really well. Really well. None of us are perfect. <laughs> but we are stronger as believers when we stand together. We reach further when we stand together. But that's next week's message. <laughs> so I'm going to just close us in prayer. Oh, Father God, we thank you for this. We thank you 